This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. All right, Vortex, I'm Kevin. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and we are so glad that you are with us this morning. You are in for a treat. My friend Corey Williams is here uh, from Savannah. Corey pastors an amazing church in Savannah, Georgia, called Hope City Church. Uh, Corey is um, a phenomenal communicator for three years now. He's been working with John Maxwell's Maxwell Group, leading and training leaders all over, uh, not just the United States, but all over the world. And his church, I, I love his church. His church is a beacon of God's love in their community. They serve their community so well, love their community. He does a great job of communicating with passion and at times some humor. You guys are going to be blessed by him this morning. So would you welcome my friend, Corey Williams? Thank you. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Well, good morning, Vortex. Come on, one more time. Good morning, Vortex. Hey, I promise I won't bite if y'all talk back to me. Uh, I won't bite at all. I may bark, but I won't bite. Uh, well, it's great to be here again. Had an amazing first service on today, and I'm going to just ask, I'm going to be selfish for a moment. I know you guys brought me into for me to preach to you, but I need you to pray for me. Um, unexpectedly, coming here on Saturday, got a message on Friday from the Maxwell Leadership Team. I have been trying for six months now trying to be a part of what we call our um, stage time speakers at this year's Maxwell International Conference that's going to be taking place in about two weeks in Orlando. And it was about 500 of us applied to, in the contest to be on stage with John Maxwell to speak at this event. And 10 of us will get an opportunity to do just that. It was narrowed down from 500 people over the past few months now to 30. As of Friday, we got our call. Well, those who became the semifinalists got their calls. I was one of those persons, and so I'm excited about that. Well, that's the well, ooh part right there, but the part at 2 o'clock today, I got to be on a Zoom call and give my pitch, and I'm preparing for a message here this morning and tonight. I'm like, I don't have time to prepare for that, so um, pray for me at 2 o'clock today. It's live, 30 of us, and we get one time. There's no starting over. We get three minutes straight to give our presentation, and from that 30, he's going to choose the 10 that will have the opportunity to speak to thousands of people at the International Maxwell Conference with John Maxwell sitting right there looking at me. I'm like, oh, John, John, John. So I'm excited, and we can't call him John Maxwell. we got to call him John because he's our friend, and I'm still trying to get used to that, but it's an amazing journey. Um, I enjoy it. I'm looking forward to the session on tonight. For those leaders who are supposed to be there, I'm looking forward to meet you, but I got a feeling if I don't preach right this morning, you're not going to come tonight. So I'm going to do my best to make sure I give you a pretty decent message and in hopes of that you will come to the leadership event on tonight. Just quickly giving thanks and honor to your pastors on today. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you. Uh, you guys are, can we just give it up? Listen, pastors are, are going through so much right now. 
pastors are being overlooked, mistreated, um, just just so much, got their own personal life going on, and we don't know half of the stuff that's going on. So can we just be selfish for one moment? Can you stand to your feet and let's celebrate your pastors right here? Come on, can we just do it? I know we're not used to it probably, but let's thank God for them. Amen. I love you, man. I love what you're doing here. Absolutely amazing work. I truly believe that the best is yet. Is bet, it, the, the best is yet. I promise I can't speak. The, I promise. The best is, I won't be standing with John Maxwell. I can't speak. <laughs> the best is yet to come, man. I love you guys. Keep up the great work. Um, and, and, and eyes haven't seen, ears have not heard. You can be seated. What God has in store for this church again. Um, it's going to be absolutely phenomenal. I want to talk today. I started a message that I titled Glitch, and I had a subtitle to it. I'm changing the title to this subtitle now, and it's called Live Beyond the Glitch. How to Live Beyond the Glitch is what I want to talk to you about on today. Part of my personal story, I stuttered until I was the age of 21 years. I may share a part of this when I came before, but I stuttered till I was about 21 years old, a very severe, I'm talking about drastically, could barely get a word out. I lost that stutter at, at about the age of 21. I did a lot of volunteer work at our local nursing home because that was my way of escape from the young people to be around the older people who didn't judge me that much. And it was always that way with me growing up. I just enjoyed being around older people. But I preached my first, when I lost my stutter, I preached my first sermon at that place where I volunteered four or five days a week. They literally, when they got word that I could speak, they knew I loved God. They knew I was always in my word. They, they invited literally all the residents um, in that nursing home into the meeting room. And I preached my first sermon in that room from Philippians chapter 3, verse 1, entitled, Finally, My Brethren, Rejoice. And I just think about my own personal glitch, the thing that was going to hold me back if I did not choose to persevere beyond the glitch. And so today, you may have a glitch. Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's spiritual. Maybe you, you were left behind and it's caused a glitch to be in your mind, in your heart, and in your spirit. And I want to talk to you for just, a, for just a little bit on how to live beyond the glitch. There's a man in the Bible by the name of Moses found in Exodus chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. I want to read 10 verses of scriptures to lay the foundation foundation to this conversation on today. And look what it says in Exodus chapter 4, beginning in verses number 1. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Here's a quick lesson. When God tells you he want to use you, when God wants to bless you with something, don't give him your resume. Don't, don't, don't tell him why you can't do and what you can't do. And God, the creator of the heavens of of the earth, of the universe, tells you he wants to do something supernatural and amazing through you. He don't need your excuses. And this is exactly what Moses is doing. It said, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to me, what is it in your hand? He said, a staff. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Verse four, then the Lord said to him, reach out 
out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and he took it by the tail and it turned back into a snake, back into a stab into his hand. It says in verse five, this said the Lord is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. I promise we're going somewhere. Verse number six, then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak and when he put it into his cloak and he took it out, the skin was leprous and it had become white as snow. A few more verses. It says, now put it back in your cloak, he said. So Moses put it back in his cloak and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his faith. I love how God is trying to build his faith. I love how God is working these different miracles in front of him to build his faith for what he is about to do. I don't know what mountain, I don't know what situation you are in right now, but I believe that God is manifesting some things in your life to build your faith for what is to come. It says here in verse number eight, then he's, and then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile, pour it on the ground. He said, the water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Last verse, and Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since you have spoken. He said, when I grew up, I never was eloquent. And ever since you've been talking to me, I'm still not eloquent. He says, I am slow of speech and of tongue. When I think about a glitch, what is a glitch? A glitch is usually a sudden, usually temporary malfunction in a system, in a thing, in a tool. And one thing about our glitches that we have to realize, just like we see here with Moses, our glitches tries to, number one, trap us up. Our glitches tries to hold us back. It tries to imprison us to our mistakes. It tries to imprison us to our failures. It tries to imprison us to our upbringing. It tries to hold us back. And the enemy will do all that he can to keep us in bondage to our past. If you know anything about an elephant and how they condition the mind of an elephant, it doesn't start when they're four and five and six tons. It starts when they are babies. What they literally would do, they would get an elephant, put a rope around their neck and tie it to a tree. And this elephant is constantly trying to get away from this tree, pulling and pulling. And this goes on for hours and sometimes days until it gets to a point that the elephant realizes that I cannot break free from this tree. And do you know what? From that day forward, the elephant never tries again to break free from that tree. But you fast forward months and days and years of hair, that elephant that's now tons in size never tries to break free from that same tree. Even though he now has power over that pole, he never attempts to break free. Why? Because his mind has been conditioned. I don't know the specificity of what you went through in the past that has now hardened your mind, your spirit, and your soul, and you feel like the marriage situation was so bad, what the child did was so horrible, there's no way to break from that. I'm telling you who the sun sets free, they are free indeed. There is nothing too hard 
before our God. Our God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. Do anybody believe that on today? The God that you serve, he is all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-seeing. And there's nothing that you have done in the past has enough power, except you allow it, to hold you back from accomplishing all that God has for you. Can I get an amen in this place on today? One thing about our past is, as it tries to trap us and hold us back, sometimes our past can be very comfortable. I don't know about you, my wife is not here right now, but you know, men, ladies, y'all just check out for a quick second here. Y'all, husbands, you know how your wife like bringing up stuff that you happened a year ago? Like, why are we talking about this? It's okay to say something, guys. She ain't here right now. She's not right there. It's just me and you right now. Don't do it. It could be a long ride home today. But it, it, they, it, things try to hold us into our past, and we think about our marriages that we want to break free from maybe a bad season, a, a bad patch. Maybe something went wrong. Maybe someone did something they shouldn't have done or said something they shouldn't have said, and you're trying to move forward. But the mind, the memory bank, uh, and, and can't nobody remember nothing like a woman. Can I get an amen in here? Brother, you may forget it, but she remember the day, the time, the outfit that she had on and that you had on and the other girl that was sitting at the other table had on. Can I get a witness in here? And I don't remember none of that. Where were you at? I wasn't there. I was not at that place. It tries to trap us in our past. And the enemy tries so hard to rob us of the future that God has for us. And even when God shows up and says, I want to use you, we say dumb stuff like, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent. I've never been able to do that. I've never been able to talk to people. I never had a dream to go back to school. I never thought I could have a marriage that would last. He said, I never, and even since you've been a part of my life, I've never been able to speak this way. Our glitches try to hold us to our past. But not only does our glitches try to hold us to our past, if it don't hold you to your past, what it would try to do is cause you to be satisfied with today. It, it, will, it will make you just be, don't even try anymore. Be content with what you just have. Be content with an average marriage. Be content with a average life. He, 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 if, if he can't trap you in your past, he's going to make you content with a mediocre life. When God says, I come that you may have life to the abundance, to the full, until it overflows. We, we, we got to get to a point where we know we have an enemy that wants to trap us in our past. But if he can't trap us in our past, he will try to make us satisfied with today. Look what it says here in Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, Hebrew one of his own people. That, we got to get to a point where there's a holy discontentment about what we see. That, 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 that we won't be content with the things that we see that's going on with our children. Do you know, I'm 45 years old, and I would not want to have another kid today because some of the things that these children have to go through and to endure and to have to see, I don't know if I could endure that when I was a kid. 
just the images and just the different messages that are going out on TV and the internet. It is getting worse, not by the year, it's getting worse by the day. I would venture to say it's getting worse by the hour. And if you don't gain a holy discontent about what's happening and get sick and tired of being sick and tired and not satisfied, I'm telling you, you're going to end up robbing yourself of the greatness that God has in store for you. How many of you know that great things don't just happen because we show up, because we just put up with everything? No, you have to fight for everything that you desire, and you cannot allow yourself to become satisfied with just today. No average marriages. No average children, no average ministry, no average pastor, no average dream team or serve team. No, we're going to have a holy discontent because we believe God has more in store for us, that our marriage will be the best marriage there is. I, I desire greatness in my marriage. We've been married now, my wife and I, for 20 years. I still feel like we were married yesterday, but we literally have been married. It'll be 21 years come this August. And I remember when we first got married, that first year or two, it was the roughest. It was like we had our bags, y'all, packed at the door waiting for somebody to say something stupid. It was like, who going for you? You say anything crazy, I'm up out of here. But how many know good things don't just happen just because you just show up? You, you got to work at it. You, you got to fight through all the opposition, fight through all the struggle. Those, I, I would go say, far as to say the first five years were the hardest part of our marriage. But because we were willing to not settle, to just be satisfied with today, to be satisfied with the status quo. We were willing to go through counseling. We were willing to do therapy, not because there was big problems, but because we wanted to have maintenance in our marriage. I'm telling you right now, if you don't have maintenance in your marriage, I'm talking about when there's nothing going wrong, you need to make it mandatory. My advice to you, have, have preventative maintenance in your marriage. Come on, come on, we do it for everything else. Our cars, our, our, our bodies, we do checkups just to make sure everything is okay. I remember one time we went to one of our preventative maintenance sessions wise, and I thought everything was okay. I'm like, this is going to be a great session here. I'm about to get straight A's. She's going to say her man has been the best forever. And that therapist said, how's things going? And she started crying. Man, what the heck wrong with you? Now, we ain't playing for this right here now. You're supposed to tell me that we're in a little sad space right now. But she had some things in her heart that she didn't know how to share, that she didn't know how I was going to respond to it wise. And so she finally was able to get it out. But what if she wasn't able to get it out in that moment? She would have just became satisfied with today. She would have became satisfied with just an average marriage. And maybe yours may not be your marriage. Maybe it's with your son. Maybe it's with your daughter. And I'm telling you, if you got a generational Z or millennial in your life, you need to parent, make room for them to be able to speak and to share with you. Because watch us here. If they're not telling you they're telling somebody else. And I don't know about you. I want my kids to be able to come and tell me whatever it is they want to have to tell me. Now, I, I, I got to keep a straight face because I may not like what they're going to say. So I'm, I'm smiling. 
<laughs> you did what? Oh, really? <laughs> and, and, and back here, I'm going crazy like, really? But I'd rather them to come confide in me than me becoming satisfied today with the kid that I remember 10 years ago who's changing right in front of me and I don't even know it. The devil, he will, he, he will try to trap us in our past. He will try to make us satisfied with today. Or if he can't do that, he will make you afraid of your tomorrow. You ever know people who live in what ifs? You know, well, what if they don't believe me? Well, well, what if this doesn't happen? Well, what if I try this here and it doesn't work? What if we move there and it doesn't happen? I remember when we moved from Jacksonville in 2014 to launch Hope City Church almost 10 years ago now. Didn't know anyone in the city, almost about 700 people right now. We had, what is, what is, what is, what else people didn't show up? Matter of fact, our first services were meeting right in a movie theater just like this here. What if, what if, what if? I always wonder now, what if we did not move on what I believe God was saying? What, what would our life be like right now? Would I be on the John Maxwell team right now? Would I walk in different doors I'm walking in right now? Would I win international as much as I have now? Would that happen for me 10 years ago if I did not walk into this door of moving my family from Jacksonville to Savannah because the Lord said, go to a place you know not of, and I'm going to use you there to make a difference. We, we, we can't get afraid, afraid of tomorrow. You can't get afraid that you send your youngest daughter to college in a different state and now she's not there without her daddy. I, I was afraid, y'all. I was afraid when I had to take my baby girl a few months ago to Albany State and leave her there with what I consider all those crazy people because there was a, a, a fear. I, I was afraid that the little girl that I raised and I developed yesterday, weeks ago, and months ago, that somehow, some way, that school was going to corrupt her, that the people she began to hang around were going to corrupt her. We cannot allow the glitches in our mental mind, the glitches of fear, the glitches of what somebody else did become our glitches. Exodus 4.13 says, but Moses said, oh Lord, please send someone else to do it. I don't know about you. I'm not sending nobody else to do what God has called me to do. Uh -uh. I'm, not only am I not sending someone else to do what God has called me to do, I'm not giving no one any stuff that I work hard for. My kids, I'm leaving them some stuff, but they're not getting all my stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm going to enjoy some of my stuff right now. I'm not going to wait till I die and enjoy what God has blessed me with. I'm going to enjoy it for myself. Stop giving away your promises. Stop giving away your calling. Stop giving away your, your relationships. And you may not be giving it away fully, but the quality relationship that God desires for that marriage or with you and your child, with you and your mother that is now at strength, stop giving away the quality of relationship that God desires for you to have if you're willing to put in the work if you're willing to put in the time, if you're willing to have the heart 
conversation. Well, Corey, how do we live beyond this glitch? How do we live beyond this handicap, if you would? Moses had a stutter. Moses couldn't speak. Moses had fear. Moses did not have confidence that he could do this great thing that God was calling him to do. I don't know the specificity of whatever it is you're called to do, you're trying to step out to do. Maybe for some of you it's to start a business or to write a book or to go back to school or relocate. I don't know the specificity of it, but I know a God that can cause you to live beyond your glitch, and he will use you to do some amazing things. Can I get an amen in here today? Look what it says here in Exodus chapter 4, verse number 11. It says, the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? It's like God had an attitude. You're like, you know, I'm tired of you. You know, you, you, you take me your resume and what you can't do and where you came from. Boy, who made you? Mama, you ever done that before? Daddy, boy, boy, if you ever talk to your mama like that again, I, I feel like this is where God has a, he, he has a holy discontent with this conversation, with these excuses that Moses is giving him. We need to get rid of our excuses because it's robbing us from entering into places where God desires for us to go emotionally, physically, and spiritually. He says, the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who, 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 who allows them to be deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? In other words, am I, I, I allow, I may not want you to be deaf or sick. I did not want Adam to fall, but it happened. I allowed it to. I wanted Adam just to do what I said do because he's not a robot. He's a free agent. Yes, I am God. Yes, I can snap my fingers and do miracles. But I allow certain things to happen in this fallen world, not because of me, but because of what first Adam did. So let me ask you again, who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I the Lord. And then he says in verse number 12, like he said it with an attitude, now get up and go. I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. Get rid of your excuses. God is calling you to go and take your personal proverbial mountain in this season here. And he says, get up. I will help you. Somebody say, God, help me. Come on. That was sweet. Say, God, help me. Someone said again, say, God, help me. See, listen, power of life and death is not in my tongue for you. Power of life and death is in your tongue. You can call those things that are not as though they were. Genesis chapter 1 says, in the beginning, Elohim, Ra, God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, and said, let us make, let us create. He did not do anything. He spoke it into existence. And then finally, he said, let's make a man in our image and in our likeness. And you got to understand the gravity and the power of that. When it says, in the beginning, Ra." It's giving you a clear distinction of the part of God that made everything. And when he said, let's make a man in our image and likeness, he wasn't talking about flesh. He was talking about image, the spirit, likeness, characteristics. We got a little bara in us where we have the ability to form our world, to form our lives with the power of our tongue. Some of you are living in what you don't spoke about, being negative or 
positive. Many of us, we are living in what we have thought about. We are living in what we have been acting out. We are living in what we have been thinking about. I call it the spiritual S-A-T test. We speak it, we act it, and we think it. And when you speak the right things, act the right things, think the right things, you get some major breakthroughs in your life. I don't know about you, but I did not pass the S-A-T test. I did not pass the high school SAT test. Everyone doesn't pass God's SAT test. We are not speaking the right things. We're not acting the right way. We're not thinking the right way. And oftentimes we may be speaking it, but we're not thinking it. Then we may be acting like we got faith, but we're not speaking like we got faith. Then we may be faking like we got faith, but in our mind we're not thinking with faith. It isn't, I'm telling you. There is power in your ability to know your authority. And he says, get up, Moses. I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. Let me give you four, what I believe, four powerful truths to help you and I live beyond the glitch. Number one, you got to remember God does not consult with our weaknesses when choosing to use us. I'm going to say it again. God does not consult with your weaknesses when he chooses to use you. He doesn't ask which side of the track you was born on. He don't ask whether you were in a one-parent home or a two-parent home. He didn't ask you what school you went to. He doesn't ask you which side of, side of the political party you are on. He does not consult with our weaknesses. He does not consult with our failures and our shortcomings. He does not consult with the affairs of this world when he desires, when he chooses to use us. He said, Moses, I know your weaknesses. Moses, I know your failures. David, I know your sin nature. Peter, I know you're going to deny me, but he still chose to use them even in all their weaknesses. And yes, you and I, in all of our weaknesses, God still wants to use you. He says in his word, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He did not wait till we get it all together to die for us. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. And if he died for us that way as it relates to our salvation, how much more do we think that he consults with our weaknesses when he chooses to use us to do something great? He said, Jeremiah, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. I knew you and I ordained you to be a prophet unto the nation. I don't know about you, but that is good news to me that God knows, God knew that I was going to come through a horrible situation that my upbringing was not going to be the best one and he did not allow that to disqualify me to do something great in the earth. If that your testimony as well, I was not raised in the best household but God still used me. God still raised me up. God still allowed me to make something amazing out of my life. Remember God does not consult with our weaknesses when choosing to use us. Number two, remember to focus on his ability versus your disability. I'm going to say it again. Remember to focus on God's ability versus your disability, versus your handicap, versus your, your lack, versus what you don't have in the bank. Don't focus on your disability 
Focus on his ability. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory, not the money I got in Wells Fargo because it's not much. Come on, are you with me today? What, what, what I need from God right now, what I got in the bank right now, it will not do it. I cannot consult with my disability. I need to consult with his ability, with the dreams and with the visions I have on the inside of my heart. I don't care how bad the marriage has been broken. Don't consult. Don't look at the disability. Look at the ability in your God. He can restore anything. He can fix anything. Only but believe that our God is able to do any and everything but fail. Can we get a praise in this house for God's word on today? Come on, let's give God a praise. Remember, God does not consult with our weaknesses when choosing to use us. Remember to focus on his ability versus your disability. Let me say that one second longer. Think about Mary who was at a wedding, at the wedding where Jesus did his first miracle. And Mary came to him and said, hey, Jesus, they are, they, they are out of wine. If you know anything about those weddings to run out of wine and not to have wine, it spoke ill of the husband, of the spouse, of the father. It made him look back. He said, he said hey, they're out of wine. And Jesus says, what does that have to do with me? My, it's not time for me to work miracles right now. And the Bible says that she walked away from Jesus and she simply went over to the disciples and said, hey, whatever he tell you to do, do it. Now, there was no signs that Jesus was going to do anything. He clearly said, I don't have nothing to do with that. But this Mary, for some reason, there was something in her knew that this party ain't going down like this. You ever been at a good party before and somebody did something stupid and just messed the whole party up, just killed the whole vibe, as the young folks say? Just kill just, just the whole atmosphere. Imagine being at a wedding and there was no wine. He said, hey, Jesus. Uh, and, and then Jesus turned around and said, when he does say something, he says, go fill the pots up with water. What, wait, 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 what, what? What does water got to do with wine? It, 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 this is not it's a disconnect here but Jesus is in the process of working a miracle even though they had a disability at the wedding Mary didn't look at the disability she didn't look at the lack of she saw the ability in her son to work a miracle I don't know who I'm talking to right now you're focused too much on the disability where there's ability all around you and God says if you can focus on the ability versus the disability I'll begin to turn things around in your situation in your circumstances watch this here late in the midnight hour He'll do it suddenly. He'll do it fast. The Bible says, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. Do you believe in the power of your prayers? When Jesus prayed, they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. It's not that they didn't know how to pray. They prayed before. They prayed for years, but they never saw someone pray like Jesus. said, teach us how to pray how you pray. Because when you pray, you get results. I'm telling you today, focus on his ability and not your disability. Number three, as I hasten to close, remember, get over what happened yesterday before you destroy tomorrow's possibility. I want to tell some couple today, get, get, get over what happened yesterday 
before you destroy the restoration that God wants to bring to your marriage. I want to say to a father who's still holding that grudge over that son, get over it before you destroy the restoration that God wants to do in that relationship. Those friends, those co-workers, whatever the specificity of your situation is, get over what happened yesterday. Get over who left you. Get over who walked out. Get over what side of the track you was born on. Get over what they did not give you before you destroy tomorrow's possibility. Go tell my disciples and Peter. Thank God Jesus forgot about what he did yesterday. Thank God Jesus did not hold Peter hostage to what he did yesterday. He said, go, hey, go tell my disciples and Peter. And to be honest with you, I used to believe the reason why he said, go tell my disciples and Peter is because he wanted Peter to know that he was still a part of the family. I don't believe that anymore. I believe it because he wanted them to know, hey, go tell my disciples and yes, Peter, yeah, Peter too, because y'all think he don't qualify no more. Y'all count. Peter? What Peter? Well, Peter, he get to go too? He said, go tell my disciples and Peter. Have you ever disqualified somebody? Have you ever counted somebody out because of what they did? He said, go tell my disciples and, and bring Peter too. In other words, bring, bring Sally Mae too. Go and get Martha. Go, go, go and get Bob. Bob, come on, Bob. You've been drinking all night, but Bob, get on in here. Get over what happened yesterday before you destroy tomorrow's possibility. You just saw the possibility in what Peter, what Peter was able to do. If, if Peter was stuck on yesterday, he wouldn't have preached that powerful sermon on the day of Pentecost. Last and then I'm done. Remember, God uses strange strategies with guaranteed victories. Let me read one scripture here. If I wanted to boast, 2 Corinthians 12, 6, if I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I will be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and to keep me from becoming proud. He said, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Three times to remove the glitch, remove the glitch, remove the glitch. He says it, but each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I, I, I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. And that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I want to share a quick, quick story as I close here. My, about five years ago, my oldest son gave us, gave me a grandson. And about a year and a half, maybe a year into our grandson growing up, we noticed, I noticed in the house, I will call out to him, Caden. Caden, Caden, he wouldn't respond. He wouldn't look. He would just look, look other places. I just didn't have thought something was wrong to the point I thought he was deaf. And then it just, just didn't get a response to him. He wouldn't respond to his name. And then we realized he wouldn't even look at you. So we finally had him go look at, um, and of course, they don't diagnose you with certain things at that age so that they didn't put a name on it. But we did some research and began to process what we thought what was going on here. 
And of course, we later on found out that he had autism. I'm grateful to God that we, we, we discovered it early because five years old now, he, he, he's still nonverbal. He's still, he looks at you now, his beautiful eyes, uh, but there's still a lot of things he won't do. And I used to go after God. God, heal him. God, heal him. God, make him see. God, God, make him speak. God, 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 God. Going after. And then one day God began to say, what if this is how it's going to always be? Will you love him? Will you still be proud of him? Will you still show him off? Will you still take him out? Will you still let other people see him? Will you still let him sit next to you in church? He said, what if, what if, what if this is as good as it gets. What if he never speaks? Are you going to still love him? Are you going to still walk with what you may want to call your glitch? Some of you walking with a glitch. and You're trying to pray it away. Is it possible? Is it plausible that God says my grace is sufficient? I, and from that God gave me, God can turn our glitch into a gift. Maybe you, what you call your greatest glitch is a gift from God. I don't know about you. I, 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 I love my grandson. Any grandparents out here? I, I, I love my grand. Hey, parents, don't kill your kids. Better ones are on the way. I, better ones are on the way. Those grandkids that make you, give you all the joy back for all the craziness that they did. Don't kill your kids. Better ones are on the way. Father, we thank you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.